Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Peter Cohen, outspoken tech commentator. We'll also hear from columnist Kirk McElhern. We'll be talking about self-driving cars, new developments with Apple's Project Titan, and the iPhone 10, of course. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. So we have Peter Cohen, outspoken commentator, podcaster, and other things that we can't mention on a family radio show, but they're all good things. So, so you've never been accused of harassing women sexually or anything, have you? We have to ask I that cer- question now because apparently everybody is doing it. I certainly hope not, although I, I certainly recognize in the wake of all the um, stuff that's come out that a lot of us men are probably unaware of many of the microaggressions and other things that we've done to make women and uh, people who aren't like us uncomfortable. So um, I, I certainly have not risen to the Harvey Weinstein level of degraded uh, horribleness, but um, I categorically apologize to anybody I've ever offended over the years for anything I've said or done that's been untoward. It's just, it's a crazy time right now. And I I think that, that there's a big correction. Well, I think what it is, is basically not thinking about the other person, maybe assuming you can do anything you want for whatever reason. We have, for example, and the reason I raise this is one of the people who is stepping aside for a while is John Lasseter. And we all know who John Lasseter is. He's one of the co-founders of Pixar. He worked with Steve Jobs. Of course, he was responsible in very much part for Toy Story and other great movies. Yeah, and Lasseter apparently uh, is is a hugger, an unwelcome hugger at that. Um, that uh, and and other things, I guess, are, are the reason why he's stepping aside for right now. But uh, you know, it just goes to show that that I think that we're going to be hearing a lot more about a lot of other people who have been acting inappropriately before this all goes over. This is a big societal change that we're talking about here. Hopefully, anyway, let's yeah. just let's get into something that's more into our world. The only reason I even mention this is because of Lasseter. And the obvious connection with Steve Jobs and everything and Disney. Mm -hmm. Okay. We've heard for a long time that Apple is working on technology for self-driving vehicles. For a while, we thought they're going to build a car. And evidently, they're not. But I'm just wondering what's going to happen here because now we have a story from Reuters. And I'll read you the paragraph here. Research by Apple Incorporated computer scientists on how self-driving cars can better spot cyclists and pedestrians while using fewer sensors has been posted online in what appears to be the company's first publicly disclosed paper on autonomous vehicles. Now, we can go into this in a minute, but the reaction I'm getting here is Apple may in the end develop this technology and let everyone have it, period. That's entirely possible. Just to backtrack for a moment, you know, for a long time in tech circles, Apple was rumored to be, as as you pointed out, Gene, building a car. It was supposedly Project Titan, and you know, Apple was going to go to head with head to head with GM, Toyota, Tesla, everybody else, and build you know the next generation vehicle that we all wanted with self driving capabilities and so on. It's put those aside, and that in and of itself shouldn't be looked at askew by anybody because Apple invests billions every year 
in research and development. And many of these projects, many, many of these projects never see the light of day. But it's because Apple is as big as it is that it's able to invest a lot of time and effort into these projects like Titan and then decide, nah, you know, this, is, this isn't working out for us. So at first we thought Apple was going to build a car. And then we thought that Apple was developing technology that it would license for auto manufacturers to cl- include in their vehicles. What actually is going to happen and how this is going to transform and, and evolve, I guess, is really anyone's question. But to the point that you've brought up, Gene, the Reuters story reveals that that scientists at Apple have shared key information about how their, I guess you could call it hazard detection system, might work in principle. Apple uh, researchers developed software that was very effective, highly encouraging results is what they called it, in spotting pedestrians and people on bicycles using just depth-sensing LiDAR units. This compares to the the process or or the, the that that other companies have been using for detecting three dimensional objects, and it, it's promising. Here here's the the issue, and and here's why I think that this might be a little bit of a tempest in a teapot, or maybe a little bit of optimistic overreporting from Reuters. Apple scientists say, hey, look, we never got a road test with this. This was just in simulation. Lots of things happen in simulation. Uh, that we find out don't work in the real world. So let's not make a bigger deal about this than than it is. But it's it's promising that Apple uh, scientists were uh, were able to 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 move the bar a little bit, and hopefully their work will be um, a good foundational uh, effort for other companies who are actually developing this technology to build on. Well, the thing here is, if Apple is not building a car, how do they market the technology? Do they design a software hardware interface for other vehicles? Is it provided as a souped-up version of CarPlay? But you see, there you're going to have a problem, I think. With CarPlay, it doesn't cost a lot for a car maker to add support for CarPlay and Android Auto. It's not a big deal. It may require software and some redevelopment of their infotainment systems, but that's it. But are they going to want to license technology from Apple instead of spending their own money on their own self-driving systems and not giving away the profit to somebody else? Everyone is working on that now. All the major automakers are going to be working on it together separately. You have Google doing it. You have Uber now testing self-driving vehicles In Tempe, Arizona, I see it all the time. So you have all this stuff going on. Where is Apple's market position? And does it work better to simply... And Apple's done this in a lot of areas where they've made certain technology open. Make the technology open and provide a way that Apple can get in there with its own products and services, but not exclude anybody else. Well, the bottom line is that Apple isn't doing this. So, uh, you know, the, the potential avenues for for how it might get released, I think, Gene, are, are probably a little irrelevant at this point. Um, I, I don't think that the, the people who originally posited that Apple was going to license its technology to other companies and the companies were, you know, going to quickly gobble that up or whatever, we're really thinking it through. Um, Car, CarPlay provides the perfect um, uh, uh example of 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 why actually because you know android has its uh, variation on carplay apple um has carplay uh 
these are technologies that we're seeing integrated in fits and starts into uh, shipping vehicles, but they're not core technologies. They're not um, uh, things that absolutely make the car run. They're just kind of, you know, gimmies for uh, uh Consumers who might be interested in using them, they're, they're, they're things to sweeten the pot. Uh, they're not essential to uh, how the, 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 the vehicle itself is made. So bearing that in mind, uh, you know, obviously any kind of self-driving technology is core um, to the way a, a car works, whether it's an assistive technology like um, steering into a parallel parking space, which is something that VW and other companies have offered on their vehicles for years, or whether it's a full-on quote-unquote autopilot feature like what Tesla offers, where it's not really self-driving, but you know it can guide itself down a properly marked road relatively successfully. So um, you know you you can stop being hypervigilant um while while you're driving if not you know asleep at the wheel which of course some tesla owners have done with very mixed results let's continue with self-driving apple tesla all the others we have peter cohen i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night owl live Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attention type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, or other inhibitors, for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-475-7607. That's 800-475-7607. Again, 800-475-7607. Call now. This is an advertisement paid non-attorney spokesperson. www.injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Want revenge on the common housefly? 
Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Makes the perfect stocking stuffer. Get your Bug Assault today. Heart disease is on the rise. Clogged arteries, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels may not be fully detected by you, but the symptoms are there. Loss of energy, blood sugar spikes and drops, poor circulation, and irregular heartbeat are just a few of these that can alert you that something is wrong. Hear how heart and body extract is making a difference in thousands of people's lives across America. My blood pressure has normalized. My diabetes has totally improved. Everyone is telling me now how much healthier I look, and I'm telling everyone how much healthier I feel. I recommend heart and body extract to everyone. Anybody over 40 in the North American continent should be using this product as a preventative to keep their cardiovascular system healthy. Order your two-month supply today by calling 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. Or order online, hbextract.com. Heart and body extract, 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Let me remind you first, the best way to support this show is for you, yes, you out there, to become a subscriber to Tech Night Out Plus. What do you get? You get a version of this show free of network ads. Some of you people don't like that and don't like to bother fast-forwarding. And you also get somewhat better quality audio for a low subscription price starting at just $1.49 a week. Go to plus.technightowl.com for more information. So, Peter, let us continue our discussion here about self-driving and the implications so the technology as i was saying in the last segment gene um, is not something that apple is uh, developing for use in its own vehicle or in a vehicle that's going to appear anytime soon but this is foundational work that other companies who are doing this which includes just about every car manufacturer on the planet at this point might find helpful at some point so again you still think that apple in the end is going to want to license it somehow. No, I don't, Gene. I don't think that Apple has any commercial plans for this technology at all. So again, they're going to simply post the results as they achieve them? Post guidances? Post ideas? What? No, they've posted this information. Uh, You know, past activity from Apple is no indication of what Apple might do in the future. 
at the risk of sounding like I'm giving a uh, a disclaimer from one of their uh, their 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 quarterly uh, uh, financial results calls, but but it, Apple did this. They and and Apple actually has a vehicle for doing this. Um, they they it, back in 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 July of this year they established uh, their their own machine learning journal uh, to help its computer scientists and researchers uh, publish. The, the work that they're doing. So uh, th- this is keeping with, with with Apple's goal of corporate transparency as much as it can, you know, within the, the strictures of what it's doing under NDA, non-disclosure agreements. Uh, but I don't think that this is a, a bellwether for Apple entering um, the automotive market or developing a commercially available package that it will license to other car, ma- to, to car makers. I don't think that that's the case at all. It's just some interesting research fundamental research on on self-driving vehicles that that Apple has done that it's sharing with the world. I don't think we should read any more into it than that. So the answer here is, what do they intend to do? They're going to make money with iPhones, with Macs, with with iPad Pros, with the HomePod eventually. What are you looking for me to to say, Gene? You're asking me if there's there's any, um, uh, if it's all hat and no cattle, and I'm telling you it's all hat, and no cattle. I, I can't be any clearer than that, dude. I, I don't think that there's much more to it than that. It, it, and that, that's just, obviously, that's my opinion. I'll, I'll leave it to, to experts who know a lot more about this business than, than I do. But I, I don't see this as, as being anything more than Apple just publishing some stuff. Well, it'd be interesting to see what they come up with and how much commitment they still have to working on this project. Obviously, they're interested because they say they're interested in self-driving. And the question is, then... What do they do with this technology? You see, with something obviously like CarPlay, it's like casting the elements of your iPhone into the car apps and such. And Google does the same thing. What car makers tend to do here is because they don't want to play favorites and they want to keep all the customers they can get, is they offer both. A lot of the cars that have CarPlay also offer Android Auto. This way, they don't have to make a decision as to what you should get, but they're happy to offer it because if it makes you more interested in buying their vehicle or buying the model that has it, then that's their advantage. There's obviously a tyranny of choice, too. I mean, you know, too many of these things um, or too many options create problems for people as well because people just get overwhelmed by them as well. Something like self-driving, though, that's obviously much more fundamental technology. That's that's a foundational technology um, that would appear in the vehicle, not something that would be offered as an add-on. Do you want Apple's car you know, self-driving or do you want Tesla's self-driving uh, capability? That's not something that's going to happen. This is core logic stuff that, that would be way below the consumer level um, to, to really be involved with. This is something where, literally speaking, they'd have to take over all the major systems of the vehicle. And that requires very, very deep integration with the hardware. It's not something you can do in software. So, and obviously, there's not going to be a single standard of how this is done, how the sensors are set up. Each car maker is going to make that decision for themselves. Yeah, and each car maker is going to want to have a more competitive um uh, technology than any of uh, their their um, their their uh, competitors also, and uh, you know, like something with something like CarPlay, for example. Uh, like I said before, it's it it's it's sweetening the pot a little bit, but uh, it it's not a core technology. 
Um, something like what we're describing here uh, would be um, a, a, a fundamental uh, technology inside the vehicle and also potentially a competitive disadvantage for a company that grows dependent on it only to find that Apple's uh, development plans for it are different from what that manufacturer would want to do. And I think that that's one of the issues um, that uh, has been articulated when it comes to the idea of Apple licensing this technology out to somebody else. I, you know, if Apple licenses this technology out to somebody else, what is Apple's commitment to developing, continuing to develop it? And, and how would that technology be featured? I don't know where we're going down a rabbit hole, Gene, and I think it's kind of silly, frankly. We really don't know. We know, obviously, Apple's working on something, and there may be certain value in releasing some information, and we'll leave it going there. I mean, it's more than Apple has done in the past. In the past, they haven't been this open in releasing information as to what engineering studies they've done. So, okay, that's different. It doesn't tell you what the next iPhone's going to be like. That's right. Exactly. It doesn't have anything to do with that. So would you buy a self-driving vehicle? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'd love everybody to be using self-driving vehicles because I think most people on the road are idiots. Um, so, yeah, I would I would love to have a self-driving vehicle. Uh, the, the, the major concern that I have is that I, at least I, I see this for the foreseeable future as being a class issue. Uh, you know, people who are going to the, the, the problem that self-driving cars solve is bad commutes for wealthy people in nice communities. You know, it's 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 something that rich people or that, that people who can afford the financing are going to be able to get first. It's going to benefit them tremendously. I don't see it affecting people who have to scrimp and save a couple of grand together um, to get an old Toyota Corolla because that's the best that they can afford. I don't see it helping uh, seniors on fixed incomes who aren't going to be able to 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 buy the latest and greatest EV that features self-driving technology. I you know th there there are big market segments uh, and entire classes of people who are going to be excluded from this, at least until such time as it's ubiquitous enough that the government makes it mandatory, like they did with let's say passive restraint systems in vehicles. We've got more to come. We have Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective.
It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Does the current world crisis in North Korea or our domestic crisis right here in America concern you? Well, I know it concerns me. My friends over at Legacy Food Storage have solutions in the event there's the inevitable. What's the inevitable? Civil unrest, a run on your local grocery store. And here's my question to you. If this happens, how do you feed your children? How do you feed your grandchildren? Legacy Food Storage has the solutions. In fact, they can help you implement a simple plan to take care of your needs in the event of the inevitable. By calling them right now, I have authorized them to give you a special 20% discount at checkout by simply using GCN. Call 888-543-7345 or visit them at LegacyFoodStorage.com. That's 888-543-7345 or visiting them at LegacyFoodStorage.com. Make sure you use GCN at checkout for an incredible 20% discount. Don't be a victim. Take control of your life now. People search the internet for everything, including you. With a few clicks, information from your past can be quickly discovered. From business deals gone wrong, to misleading reviews, negative articles, and unflattering images. Studies show 78% of people search for someone online before doing business with them. Will they find the real you? With ReputationDefender.com, you can establish a positive internet presence. ReputationDefender.com pioneered the field with over a decade of experience, serving thousands of successful individuals and businesses. We use patented, award-winning systems to boost positive content and suppress negative material. Don't let the internet define you. Take control of your reputation today with ReputationDefender.com. For your quick, free reputation analysis, call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771, 800-831-0771, or visit reputationdefender.com. Message and data rates may apply. Sick of hair loss, thinning hair, bald spots? Ever thought about hair restoration? It's a life-changing decision. Thankfully, the first step is incredibly easy and absolutely free because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration expert, is giving away an absolutely free information kit that reveals just how easy and affordable their permanent solution to hair loss really is. Get yours by texting EASY44 to 85850. You'll see for free just how great your hair could look. Plus, we'll also give you a free gift card when you text EASY44 to 85850. Join the men and women all over the country who have come to Bosley, the world's most experienced hair restoration expert, for their permanent solution to hair loss. If you've ever thought about getting your hair back, don't miss this incredible offer. We're giving away an invaluable information kit absolutely free, plus a gift card for $250 off to everyone who texts EASY44 to 85850. That's E-A-S-Y 44 to 85850. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next.
interesting enough in terms of any kind of safety system, passive especially, but in terms of things like seatbelts, the first new car I bought, a 1967 Opel Cadet, Buick sold the Opals in the U.S., and a lot of the Opals over the years have been relabeled as Buicks, like the Regal was designed by Opel. Of course, that division was sold by GM. It had seatbelts, at least in the front, had front seatbelts. This is before they even had shoulder harnesses. And I realized then the value of a seatbelt, and I refused to buy a car without it. And it was being offered by other car makers very shortly thereafter. But it wasn't mandatory. Even now, there's a question in some states whether you have to wear them in the rear seats. And when people ride in my car, they have to have the seatbelts on. But as you say, features in cars will start at the top and then filter their way as mass production cuts costs to lower-end vehicles. So you have a lot of assistive technologies right now, like active cruise control and these various intelligent braking systems, accident avoidance systems, and the rear camera. They're filtering down to much cheaper cars now. So you buy a new car today, you may get some of these things already. I'm not talking about the most expensive car. I'm talking about the entry-level compact car. You get a chance to get this or get them with a very small additional outlay of money. So I agree with you that self-driving cars will be very expensive at the beginning. But so five, ten years from now, whenever they're really ubiquitous, they will be so in the mid to upper price cars. But maybe by 2030, as used cars filter down to people who can't afford the new cars, as the technologies become more efficient, as mass production takes over, you're going to see the transfer. Not initially. There's a lot of huge open questions, philosophical questions, legal questions that are going to need to get resolved uh, before we see self-driving cars on on any um, uh, major roadways in any significant quantity. For example, how does one account for an AI choosing, let's say, between uh, striking a pedestrian or running the car off into the tree and killing the driver? You know, what happens in a situation like that if those are the only two options available to the AI and the AI decides, well, I'm not going to hit the pedestrian, so I'm going to smash this car into a tree instead because there are no other good options. Well, you know, that's going to open the the car company to to liability from uh, the occupant's family. That's that that's uh, something that's also got the ear of legislators and the mind of legislators as, as, as they're thinking about this stuff, too. So I think there are a lot of open questions uh, about the not just the the uh, the technology of self-driving vehicles, which is barely in its infancy, but also the the ethics of self-driving vehicles that are issues that we're going to have to contend with more and more as we grow dependent on AI-based systems um, to make our lives better or more convenient. You know, these are very difficult issues, and, and I don't think that we, we have – many of them figured out right now. So it, it, the, the next 20 or 30 years um, is going to be very interesting to see how this develops because we've always had a very uneasy relationship with um, technology 
that not just simplifies things for us, but takes choices away from us. I, I'm not sure that 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 we're really ready to face um, a lot of the 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 societal ramifications that this is going to have. Well, I agree with you in terms of the moral considerations. You know, if you have a choice that you kill this person or that person, which one do you kill? Or if it's a choice between the animal and the human, probably they'll prefer the human as much as someone would be upset if the animal were to die. Here's the car. There are three people who will die if you hit that car. This is an unavoidable accident. But this car, only two people will die. Now, logically, I guess the AI would say, I'll kill the two people. I'll kill the two people rather than the three people. I'll save people. It's, you know, it's a, a dilemma even that the military faces. Where well, you have yeah, the I mean, inevitability that someone's going to die. What choices do you make? What moral choices do you make? What moral choices? Or do you look at this? Well, you can look up their names in the computer systems instantaneously these people are worth $100 million. Let's save them because they're worth more money. How do you make that choice? Is it quantity or quality? Do you assume, well, this person's going to college, he's going to be a doctor, or she's going to be a doctor? That will contribute more to society than this one where the person is working at Wendy's. It's, yeah, it's, it's and, a moral decision, which is, can be impossible. Yeah, moral psychology, obviously. I mean, and this is kind of central to moral psychology, right? It's what's called the trolley problem. You know, the idea is, uh, you know, there's a runaway uh, train moving down the tracks. There are people tied up uh, in front of the tracks and unable to move. Uh, you're at a position where you can hit the switch and divert the trolley onto the sidetrack, but that's going to kill one person. So, you know, saving five worth killing one. Um, that's the, the, the classic trolley problem has been, and as it's been articulated, but you can see in, in an AI based driving system, this is a real problem. This is, this is some, and you know, as, as we've learned, if, if we've learned nothing else from this past year in politics and social media, um, we've learned that your information is only as good as the algorithm. Um, that is producing it. And that algorithm is programmed by a person or a group of people. And the law of unintended consequences applies towards algorithms the same way it does in every other aspect of our lives. So it's not the things that you think of when you're developing that algorithm or that AI subroutine. It's the things that you don't think of that end up becoming the problems. And the trolley problem is a good example of, you know, something that, that you don't think of that, that ends up creating a real ethical, uh, logistical, and um, uh, technological problem um, that, that needs to be somehow addressed. At least, though, it's a problem that can be addressed in some way. Whereas with the normal accident, it's just the luck of the draw because you have no reaction time, whatever, and someone's just going to react and who knows what's going to happen or who's going to be hit. So at least there's a choice there. But in the case of humans faced with a split second decision making, it's going to be a random issue, completely random. We have no idea how it's going to turn out. Mm. See, that's the comparison also. You have a machine where you set up a bunch of guidelines, what to do, what to do, what to do. But when humans are involved, 
this is not a situation that has any logic to it. So it's well, unpredictable. And, yeah, and, and many times in, in this situation, uh, you know, just going through subroutines, endless subroutines, what to do in this situation what to do in that situation. That's not how people think either. Um, so that's probably not the best model to use for how machines uh, will, 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 will quote-unquote think either. But it, again, this technology is in its infancy and, and you know, these, these are questions that um, companies like Apple are, are going to have to, uh, to, to find their way through. Now, I understand these are edge cases. They won't confront them every day. But these are things that are happening all the time. And they have to decide what ways they can manage accident avoidance or minimizing the damage resulting from the accident. Yep. And who knows what they're going to do about that. In the meantime, when people like me are too old to drive, we're going to have to accept whatever they come up with or simply wait to be driven by humans. More to come with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. A commemorative President Trump dollar for only $5? Yes, the historic Trump dollar starts at only $5 at trumpdollar.us. Choose from our unique three-coin collection in gold, silver, and copper. The Vote Trump dollar, inaugural Trump dollar, and Make America Great Again Trump dollar. Available only at trumpdollar.us. Minted in the USA, our Trump dollars commemorate President Trump's patriotic stand. Order your Trump dollar collection today in time for Christmas delivery at trumpdollar.us. That's trumpdollar.us. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest-priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 
365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com. Virtual care anywhere. Do you have difficulty taking supplements? Are you searching for a high-quality, complete nutritional drink that your whole family will love? Nutramedical's Life Support has arrived. All of your daily nutritional requirements in one quick, delicious drink. Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support is a proprietary blend of vegan protein, activated vitamins, essential minerals, amino acids, probiotics, green tea, digestive enzymes, anti-inflammatories, cancer prevention, detoxification, and much more. Your body will high-five you for this one. Life Support is the best, complete, nutritious meal replacement on the market. Whether you are an elite athlete, have post-operative challenges, chronic illness, elderly, or a family that just wants a quick, delicious drink, try Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support for optimized nutrition in one great tasting smoothie. Just add cold water, almond milk, fruit, or anything else you like. Nutramedical's Life Support. Try our great tasting chocolate or vanilla today. Call 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Nutramedical.com for the whole family. If you're talking, they will hear you Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. You can do it if you try. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Out Live, I'm Gene Steinberg. He's Peter Cohen. We're talking about self-driving technologies, what Apple might be working on, but also the various questions that need to be answered in developing self-driving technologies, such as the moral question, if an accident is unavoidable, whom do you kill? And that sounds cold-hearted and grim, but that's something the AI, being able to calculate billions of instructions a second, We'll have to be confronted with. Let's move on to this other stuff. There's published report now that Apple might build an iPhone SE2 in India where it's trying to make a bigger presence to keep the costs down because now it's too expensive to produce in China. Is that where we've reached? That is indeed um, the situation that, that Apple um, is is perhaps confronting. Uh, rumors are that um, that that SE two is is going to be built in the uh, sometime in the first half of twenty eighteen. That would make sense because the iPhone SE is is obviously very long in the tooth. It's it's a really nice phone if you want a smaller iPhone, uh, but the iPhone. Uh, SE is is also getting a little long in the tooth. So Apple is reportedly. Um, eyeing a facility or facilities in Bangalore, India, to to manufacture the phone. Um, right now, the SE is is 349 here in the states. But here's the problem in in India anyway. 75 um, percent of the smartphone market is or comprises 
units that sold for less than $250. Apple's solution to selling to India has been to offer less expensive models, uh, certainly. And, you know, there's a, a burgeoning exploding really Indian middle class and, and upper class that can afford Apple's premium products as well. Uh, but this this would be uh, big news for, for the Indian market. And, you know, obviously 75% of uh, uh, a billion people is, is a hell of a lot of uh, uh, devices that Apple could be selling into that market. So um, Apple wants to reach the Indian market and other emerging markets more. And if moving facilities, manufacturing facilities to Bangalore helps it lower its cost of manufacturing, um, it, it certainly would lower its distribution costs because it would no longer have to import all those devices from China. It would have some really positive benefits for them. But do those units also go to this country or will those still be assembled by Foxconn or another Chinese-based company? My assumption is that Apple would continue to use uh, uh, Foxconn to, to make uh, SE2s for the, the rest of the market, uh, if, if for no other reason, simply to make sure that it has enough product to sell. Um, you, you know, that, that, that Foxconn's ability to scale manufacturing and, and uh, um, ability to work with Apple according to Apple's guidelines uh, would make it the obvious choice. Now, of course, the politicians you're talking about, Foxconn's promises so far are unfulfilled of building plants in the U.S. I think they were going to build one in, was it Scranton, Pennsylvania or somewhere? And that never happened. Now it's going to be Wisconsin. But people forget when you say, ah, look, all the jobs are going to be offered. No, most of those plants will be using robots. More and more of these plants are using robots to put these things together because the tolerances are just too tight for humans. So they will need fewer and fewer people. Someday, you know, a dozen people can run a huge multi-million dollar plant turning out tens of thousands of products a day. Yeah. And the other thing to, to consider, I mean, it's, it's not just a question of, of, uh, of efficiency, but, uh, you know, labor costs are, are uh, ridiculous in the United States compared to China. Um, you can employ a, a horde of people for what you would pay a single person. So automating um, uh, its its facilities in the states is is a smart idea, but Foxconn isn't talking about moving um, stuff like smartphone manufacturing to places like Wisconsin. It's finding manufacturing that it wants to do here, um, and 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 doing that instead. Things that make sense for its market, things that make sense for its margins, um, and things that make sense, quite frankly, you know, for 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 what it should be doing around here. So I don't think that we're going to see China any less of a manufacturing epicenter for these sort of devices than we ever have in the past. Foxconn's expansion into North America notwithstanding. And bear in mind, too, this is part of the issue. The people in China are earning higher and higher salaries. I mean, it's fractional compared to what we have. But they want to advance their society. They want people to make more money. So eventually, you're going to see more and more of the people of China earning almost acceptable salaries. They're going to go up. They have already. And eventually, of course, then Apple or Foxconn, they move to Vietnam. They move to India, things like that. Yeah, longtime Mac owners may remember that way, way back in the day, Apple used to build um, Macintosh computers in Ireland. 
it was doing it at the time because it was a lot less money to build them in Ireland than it was to build them in California. Uh, so, you know, this is a company that for 30 years has regularly outsourced its manufacturing overseas when it's made sense. They still, by the way, do have a plant at Cork, Ireland. What do they make there? I don't know. I'm taking a look right now. Apple manufacturing inside the secretive plant in Cork, Ireland. And I want to see that's 2015. So All they're right, so still that's a couple years ago. It could be. Yeah, they claim this to be the only directly Apple-run manufacturing facility in the world. So they're still building things there, but probably more higher-end things like IMAX. Yeah, according to the Irish Examiner, the IMAX are, are what they were building there in 2015. I don't know if it's changed since then, but uh, maybe they're building IMAX Pros now. Who knows? And what about the plant in Austin, Texas that was assembling the Mac Pro? But on well, the, the other hand, I would think, Mac Pro, you mean the defunct pardon? Mac Pro, the Mac Pro that Apple is going to toss out next year. So who cares? But will they build a new one there? And the other thing is about Cork, you think that would be the best plan to build the iMac Pro because you're already used to building iMacs. So setting it up for a somewhat modified model may not be so difficult. True. Um, I also know that, you know, Apple has its share of uh, tax issues with with Ireland right now. So Apple may not be in a big hurry to um, uh, continue to pour uh, good money after bad, as it were, if uh, it looks like um, Ireland, the, if the, the country of Ireland is souring on Apple's involvement there. Anyway. This is obviously a consideration that we really don't have an answer to with regard to what Apple might do or where things might be built. It's mostly largely about whether they could build iPhones here, which is kind of an illusion, thinking that they can set up an iPhone plant here, and it would require all sorts of draconian restrictions which could affect trade in ways that are unpredictable to make it happen because it's not just the plant it's not just the factory it is the supply chain all the parts they need it's very complicated you know tim cook knows how to do this but certainly the the everyday politician hasn't a clue of what's involved that's right yeah so it's not something that we can expect Except that the iPhone does have parts made here. I think the processors are made in this country. I th the Gorilla Glass from Corning. Yeah, from Corning, sure. So a lot of the most expensive parts are being made here. But we don't have a plan to build OLED displays yet. Oh, well. So would you agree with me? That's not going to happen. And the politicians who want it to happen don't understand the consequences. I think politicians love, I mean, politicians obviously love to hear themselves talk. And if they can um, share the spotlight with Apple, they, 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 they will. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, um, uh, unfortunately for them, uh, Apple's going to make these decisions based on the best interest of uh, the company's bottom line, not uh, based on political expediency. And also, there can be things done in terms of taxes or repatriating money kept overseas. The problem with that is that when they do that, they don't use that money to invest in the company. They will use that money. They'll either store it. They'll sit on it. They'll use it for stock buybacks. 
they're not going to use it to hire people or give people raises. It's another fantasy. And that's an important point. I don't want to get into politics right now because we have another segment or two coming up with Peter. We can get into it quickly. But I would want to remind you that we also offer a special version of the show free of the network ads. If you want that, we give you better quality audio. Check out Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus, P-L-U-S dot Tech Night Owl dot com for more information. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. If you or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out Slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. That's Slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Go back to Peter Cohen. And we've been talking about things with political implications, such as Apple building stuff here. But if they were to repatriate money... I don't know if you're repatriating or not, because a lot of the profits Apple makes are earned from selling stuff overseas. That's not going to guarantee they're going to hire more people. Yeah, I mean, Gene, you're you're, you're casting doubts on uh, trickle-down economics, which is, uh, of course, in vogue again, uh, if you listen to uh, certain elements on Capitol Hill. I, I think that um, there there is a very large body of wisdom that suggests that in Indeed, if companies are given the opportunity, um, uh, they will take profits. They will not uh, plow that back into um, lower prices for consumers or 
better working conditions for their employees or anything of that nature. Uh, you know, this is a, an area of, of great debate right now. Um, I don't necessarily have an opinion one way or the other. What I do know, though, is that Apple does have a huge, huge amount of, uh, of money tied up overseas right now. And when Tim Cook has been asked about this um, in interviews and during Apple's quarterly call with uh, financial analysts, Tim Cook says that the reason why Apple's sitting on all that money is because the cost of repatriating it uh, is so extraordinary. And um, in the current political climate, that is something that we're hearing about, uh, you know, the desire to see corporations repatriate money that's being uh, stored overseas in a way that may be perceived by the companies anyway as more fair and equitable to them. Whether or not that will happen is is still a matter of conjecture at this point, because obviously no legislation has been passed or signed or uh, is even up for a vote that is really going to reshape this. But, you know, Apple's intentions shouldn't be... Um, uh, overlooked here and you know, what they are actually going to do with that money if they can get it back overseas without paying a huge penalty on it uh, would be very interesting. Hopefully the company you know, understands that it needs to be transparent enough that uh, that we need to know what it, it's doing with it. But, uh, you know, I, I think we're a ways off from, from seeing any motion there one way or the other. So, you know, for now, it's status quo. And remember here, Apple is not going to do anything that's going to necessarily cause it to lose profits. Because of, of the fact that they've got fiduciary responsibility to their investors to maximize sales and profits. And that means keep the tax burden as low as possible. They'll do whatever's necessary to do that as long as it's legal. We can argue some of the edge cases there, but that's where it stands. Let's move on to a few other things before we let you go. HomePod, going to be late. Now, I saw an article from somebody saying, oh, my God, this is terrible. But the HomePod was not originally supposed to ship until sometime in December anyway, making it rather questionable for a rush Christmas giving anyway. So does it matter that it's going to be a few months later? Well, I think that Apple certainly missed the window for 2018. You know, a lot of people, including myself, by the way, I bought an Echo Dot last, uh, last Christmas for myself on a Black Friday sale. All right, so I know just anecdotally, three or four other people who probably did bought a similar device, whether they bought the, the Google version or, you know, an Amazon device or whatever. So there is definitely a trend right now uh, for consumers to buy um, uh, smart home speakers, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, but, um, you know, th this is a little bit of a hit for Apple, I think. You know, Apple, I, the, the last time I remember Apple delaying a product's release was probably the AirPods. And that was a couple of years ago, right? You know, back in uh, uh, October of 2016 uh, was when the AirPods were supposed to come out. And, you know, it slipped a couple of months. They didn't end up getting released until December and were in very short supply and uh, very limited quantity for a very long time after that. But here's the thing about HomePod that makes it so remarkable. HomePod is not just a smart speaker. You can't just say, hey, Siri, you know, tell me what the weather is today or, you know, some of the other things that you can do with the, the Echo um, and the Echo Dot. It's also a hub for HomeKit integration, uh, which we've been hearing Apple talk a lot about for a very long time, but still doesn't seem to have... 
um, a, a, uh, a head of steam on it that's really appreciable. But uh, this could be, you know, the key to Apple getting some big wins when it comes to smart home integration. This is still a burgeoning market. So I, I think it's a negative thing for Apple not to have it in time for Christmas this year because it means that it's going to miss some, some revenue. But long term, if Apple does HomePod and does HomePod right, it could have a really big win here in a way that Amazon and Google just can't right now. Also consider this about that. If you look at sales so far, and it may be totally different this holiday season, Amazon has sold, what, 15 million of their records, last I heard, over a period of, what, three years, almost three years? I mean, people buy them, but not in the huge numbers we expect from Apple. Now, this season, Amazon may be selling a lot more, but Amazon traditionally, I guess, where they sold the most hardware would be things like Kindles. I want to challenge what you just said, Gene. Um, that, that is an estimate. Amazon does not disclose um, unit, unit shipped on, on its products. Uh, granted, so we have no idea. Granted, but on the other hand, there have been independent estimates where people look at Amazon's yeah, sales. I know, I, I, These I, estimates I are approximate, but nobody's saying it's a blowout product. They've sold 40 million or something like that. The estimates have been in that range. It's just yeah, like we have estimates of Apple watch sales, but they go through a narrow sector because, again, you can infer from Apple's sales reports in the other products category how many apply to Apple watch. And we've seen this happen before, you know, where Apple moves into an established market uh, segment uh, with a new product and then dominates that market segment, right? Remember what happened exactly with the Apple Watch. You know, there were Fitbits and there were other devices that came out before the Apple Watch did. Um, But the Apple Watch came out and has literally dominated the wearables uh, market since then. Now, Fitbit is, is you know, putting up a great fight as a lot of competitive products, but we've seen some casualties by the side of the road, too. I have no reason to think that things are going to be any different once the, once the HomePod uh, is shipping either. I think that um, the HomePod is going to be the choice for a lot of consumers simply because it's the path of least resistance. For example, as an Echo Dot owner, I enjoy a lot of the functionality and features that Echo Dot does, but what I don't like is that Echo Dot does not integrate in any meaningful way with the ecosystem of Apple products and services that I use. So, for example, I can listen to um, music on Amazon Prime Music, which I subscribe to because I'm an Amazon Prime user. Uh, but I don't have their I don't have Amazon Music's premium service, so there's a lot of stuff that I can't listen to, and I have absolutely no way of integrating uh, my iTunes library, which is where 99% of my music is, into the Echo Dot experience. So Echo Dot is excluded from that altogether. As a consumer, if I'm going to go out and buy a product, I want it to work with most of my stuff. Well, I just happen to have drunk the Kool-Aid, if you will. I'm a big Apple user, so I'm going to want to go with the solution that provides me with with all that functionality. That's also one of the big reasons why the Apple TV um, sells in the quantity it does and has as many users as, as it does. The Apple TV is by as far 
from the best streaming box that you can hook up to your TV. There are a lot of other streaming boxes out there that are a lot more flexible, can do a lot more stuff, um, integrate with different ecosystems. But because the Apple TV is so tightly integrated with the iPhone and the iPad and the Mac, that makes it a much easier sell for people who are already using Apple products. They've already qualified themselves as somebody who might be interested in this product because it can help them get the most out of what they already have. Again, I don't really think that, you know, the HomePod missing its release date by a few months is really going to impact things overall. I think Apple just wants to make sure that it's going to be a good experience for people because it knows it's got one chance at this without looking like idiots. And in the next segment, I'll give you some estimates of sales published by Fortune back in September. So we assume it's going to be higher now. They're reliable. Well, you know, at this point, it keeps with the same trend. I've checked several studies, and the trends are within a couple of million of each other. Got more to yeah, come. 10 million is what I've heard. All right, we got more to come with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cal Bend Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. If you're an unincorporated business owner, it's too late for you. That is, if you've already been sued and lost your home, your car, and your personal life savings. 
But if you haven't been sued yet, there is still time to incorporate and protect your personal assets. And the first step is just a phone call away because Incorporate.com is now giving away a free incorporation toolkit to all business owners, including exclusive information on how to start and grow your business. For your free incorporation toolkit, call now 1-800-936-9256. Incorporation is the shield that protects your personal assets. Without it, you could lose everything. That's why at Incorporate.com, they just make incorporating or forming an LLC. LLC quick and easy. They don't provide legal or financial advice. If someone sues tomorrow, will you lose everything? Don't wait until it's too late. Call now for your free incorporation toolkit. Hurry, they're still giving them away for free at 1-800-936-9256. Call 1-800-936-9256. That's 1-800-936-9256. Most people think life insurance pays after you're dead. That's true. But did you know you can have tax-free access to your life insurance while you're still alive? You can use the life benefits of your life insurance to grow your money with certainty and guarantees. No stock market risk, no tax risk, and no penalties. Call Life Benefits if you'd like a free book about how this can be done. Call 702-660-7000. That's 702-660-7000. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Now, Peter is skeptical of fortune. I agree with you. On the other hand, this is the estimate that fits with the other ones I've mentioned. They've all fell within this range. So according to something called Consumer Intelligence Research Partners, which did the survey, the total number of units sold as of September 18th, 15 million Echoes, 5 million Google Homes. Now, as I said, it's an estimate because we're not seeing individual breakdowns by the companies. Granted, Fortune is not the most reliable place in the world, but that number 15 million is keeping within the range of other surveys. So if several are falling in that area, you have to assume it's going to be something. But if it's 12 million or 16 or 17 million, it doesn't make a difference. We're talking about a product that had been on the market for like two and a half years as of that point, And that's not humongous sales. Now, it might really take off this holiday season and Amazon will move just 10 million this season. I don't know. I'm just giving you an example of the past. There you go. I mean, you can take it or leave it. But as I said, if surveys fall within a certain range from different companies who make those things, eventually you're coming across something that may be realistic or almost realistic, allowing for margins of error and stuff like that. So we can argue about that forever, but I think these products get more hype than sales. That's true with the Microsoft Surface, which has never been a big seller. It's always fallen within this $1 billion a quarter revenue range, up or down a couple hundred million. But it gets a lot of publicity. Yeah, billion here, billion there, eventually start talking about real money, right? Yeah, but it's going to have to be a lot more to come close to the Mac. True enough. Let's move on to one or two more things before we disappear. 
iMac Pro, we mentioned maybe the iMac Pro will be made at the Apple plant in Cork, Ireland. And maybe not. But do you think Apple's going to get that out in December? Yeah, I think that they're going to get it out in December the same way they got the Mac Pro out in December of 2013. They're probably going to ship five units and say, there, yep, we shipped some. But most of them are going to ship next quarter. It's going to be December 32nd. Yeah, December 32nd, exactly. You know, one thing to bear in mind is that Apple as a company largely shuts down around the holidays. Um, you know, we, we we old grizzled tech journalists like uh, like Gene and I uh, know this from our own experience uh, because um, Macworld Expo in San Francisco would always happen in the first or second week of January um, and trying to reach anybody at Apple to do uh, interviews or uh, to line up uh, coverage for the event was always very trying because that last week of December, no one, no one in Cupertino is around. Um, so, uh, it, well, I mean, there are people, but it's a skeleton crew. You know, they, they basically shut the whole company down for that period. So, I don't really know how realistic Apple is about the the iMac Pro shipping before the end of the year. But it, it, it's it's not for any big technical reasons. You know, it, I, I I think that um, that it'll be out, but very very limited quantities. Then again, I think that the Apple, the iMac Pro is probably only available in limited quantities. I don't think it's a machine that everybody is going to hanker to buy. It is very, very pricey. Right. But because it's related very much to the regular iMac in terms of form factor, I think the production ramp up is not going to be near as difficult as the one for the Mac Pro. You're probably right, Gene. Um, I don't think that uh, um, they're facing the same kind of, you know, production-related issues that they would for a machine that they created out of whole cloth like the Mac Pro. So, my comparison may not be fair. Besides which, the Mac Pro should have been left in the cloth. <laughs> yeah, true. What do you expect now? Do you expect that Apple is going to look at sales of the iMac Pro before deciding whether to go ahead with a regular Mac Pro? No, they've already committed to the Mac Pro. I think that they've got a plan of attack and, and that they are going to do it. Um, I don't know what the Mac Pro is going to look like, you know, in its new version. I don't know if it's going to be another turbine desktop trash can thingy or if it's uh, going to be a completely new form factor again. I do know that the current design of the Mac Pro left kind of boxed Apple into a corner when it came to upgrading it or changing it in any significant way. Because of that, um, I doubt that we will we'll stick with the same uh, form factor, but that's only my own supposition. I don't base that on any inside knowledge. I also have a feeling that things used to develop the iMac Pro, such as the thermal system, may follow in terms of technology, a different shape, obviously, in the regular Mac Pro. That's going to be very much like the iMac Pro, only it's going to be modular, so you can add PCI cards, extra drives and such. But a lot of the core technology will be similar. Maybe it will handle a family of Xeons with more cores, like the 28-core model. Perhaps, or, you know, they could do something entirely different. I'll tell you what I'm really excited about, Gene. You know, Tim Cook has spoken um, in not necessarily effusive terms, but in positive terms about the future of the Mac Mini as well. And the Mac Mini has always been very close to my heart. In fact, I've got a 2014, which I've talked about on the show before. I recently upgraded it to an SSD, which has made all the difference in the world in terms of performance and functionality. I'm very interested to see what Apple is going to do with the Mac Mini in its next iteration because, you know, it, it, it could simply iterate it with, you know, an upgraded core uh, uh, processor from, from Intel and, uh, you know, 
go USB-C and all the other stuff. But it's also an opportunity for Apple to reinvent that device. And I think that that low end of the Mac spectrum is as important, if not more important, than the Mac Pro and the iMac Pro. Those things are both great showcase machines. And they, they, they help Apple achieve recognition in important sectors like high-end graphic design, digital photography, filmmaking, really sexy, creative endeavors. But, you know, the Mac Mini has been a little workhorse for uh, small offices and home offices, for small to medium-sized businesses, and for corporations looking for nice little workgroup servers. The current version, introduced in 2014, took a little bit of a step back, but I'm hoping that the next version uh, that Apple does will help appeal to market verticals where uh, the Mac Mini could really be a nice little machine. I think you'll see big changes for one reason. If they were just going to refresh the hardware, they could have done that two years ago. Making statements, positive comments about how much they love the Mac Mini by saying how much they love the Mac Mini, Tim Cook is saying, we're working on something and it's going to be different because, as I said, there'd be no reason to wait otherwise. So it might be something more fascinating. Maybe it'll be something like the HP Z2 Mini Workstation, which looks like a somewhat larger Mac Mini in its form factor. But something where you can get a basic, decent-sized computer at low cost or something really powerful if you want to spend an extra thousand or two like a mini workstation, a real mini workstation. We got more to come with Kirk McElhern next. Peter Cohen, tell us where we can find more of your stuff. I bloviate constantly on Twitter at Flarg, F-L-A-R-G-H. And my own website is Peter-Cohen, C-O-H-E-N.com. Peter Cohen, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Always a pleasure, Gene. Thank you so much for having me. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Actual testimonials from real Numana customers. I've tried all kinds of food storage, and Numana is by far the best. I'm a single mom with two teenage boys and a full-time job. I don't always have time to cook a four-course meal. That's where Numana has been such a blessing. I can spend less time in the kitchen and more time on what matters most, like helping with homework. Find out for yourself. Order online at thepowermall.com. That's thepowermall.com. Numana is... Thepowermall.com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do 
all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Have you checked your ECS lately? We have. We are New Pharma, scientists who specialize in human functions controlled by the endocannabinoid system, or ECS. Let me simplify. Your ECS is involved in physiological processes like appetite, pain sensation, mood, memory, and immune systems. New Pharma's patent-pending science is the big difference in our natural solutions, formulated for your well-being. For example, our foundation product provides targeted nutrition to support a healthy endocannabinoid system, which is directly responsible for managing and controlling inflammation. This product contains turmeric, which is known as one of the best anti-inflammatories on the planet. Our Allergies product contains sage, which is a very effective decongestant. See all of our amazing capsules, essential oils, and ECS herbal tea at gnuphama.com. New Pharma, your path to wellness begins here. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-610-7740. That's 800-610-7740. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So the first words that Kirk McElhern gave to me today were fancy mathematical formulae. Is that correct, sir? No, actually, the first words I gave to you were Happy Thanksgiving because we're recording this on Thanksgiving Day. I was just making something up here. The first important words I gave you were fancy mathematic formulae because I'm looking at an article entitled VoxelNet End-to-End Learning for Point Cloud-Based 3D Object Detection written by two Apple engineers and it's talking about um, some self-driving car technology, well, software for self-driving cars. Right. Now, this is interesting because the assumption people make about Apple is that they normally do not release preliminary information about technologies they're working on. I mean, there was no published paper about Face ID. But Apple has indicated, or Tim Cook has indicated, interest in autonomous driving technologies. But still, first of all, 
Is there any way to explain in English for those who do not have degrees in advanced mathematics what this is all about and what do you think it signifies? Well, if you look at the abstract, it says accurate detection of objects in 3D point clouds is a central problem in many applications, such as autonomous navigation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, basically, this is a technology for recognizing objects, um, presumably based on their size and shape and how fast they're moving, whether they're moving, et cetera. Um, it's an extremely complex article with lots of math, so there's absolutely no way I understand anything about it. But it's talking about 3D sensor technology. Um, and a point cloud presumably is a way of identifying the location of an object in space as opposed to on a two-dimensional surface where you just have a, a grid with an X and a Y axis. Here you've got a three-dimensional um, area, and I guess it's the movement that helps you indicate the depth and the distance from from the whatever the sensor is. In this case, it would be a car. It so, sounds to me like it had something to do also with face ID. No, it doesn't, because it, it's not talking about individual points. It's showing some photos as examples, and you can see that it's showing people and cars and, and other things in streets. Okay, so it's clear here the cat is out of the bag. So we know Apple is interested in something. That's a good metaphor, because at the end, in the conclusion, they say, our experiments on the kitty car detection task, K-I-T-T-I, -T -T -I, that's an abbreviation for something. So cat's out of the bag, get it, kitty? Oh, yeah. I'm just excited. I'm so excited to hear this. But the point being here is that Apple is revealing information that's working on self-driving technology. And fundamentally, what you're telling us here is this is a sensor that helps prevent you from hitting somebody or something. Well, it probably helps prevent you from hitting. It also helps you navigate around. Um, it may help the car to determine when to slow down because a car in front of it is slowed down. You know, all of the things that are involved in navigation um, when you're driving that you don't think about. It's not just not hitting someone. Well, of course, you have the smart cruise controls that do something like that, where they sense the distance of the car ahead of you and can adjust your speed, adjust the distance so you don't get too close. And if you do get too close, start activating the brakes. In fact, right... Cadillac has a smart cruise control that also keeps you in the lane in which you're traveling. It's $5,000 or so. And one of our other regular guests, Rob Pegarero, told me about it. He had a chance to try it out, I think on a trip to Cleveland. And they have a list of interstate highways where this can work. And literally speaking, it will do all the work if you are on the highway and you are traveling a fair distance, you stay in the same lane, you keep proper distances from the cars ahead of you, it does it by itself. It's also $5,000 for the privilege. Yeah, for the first example you said about the, the, the car will slow down because it detects the distance of a car in front, that's relatively simple. That's probably just a sonar um, that sends pings and gets them back and knows how far something away is. Um, but if you look at this paper, you can see there are a bunch of photos, for example, there's a column of photos where you can see the car's eye view, and you can see it looking at cars in its lane, looking at cars that are parked on the side, and looking at cars as it's merging into a freeway. So think about the, the comparison between you're driving down a road where there's cars parked on the side, and you're driving down a freeway where there's cars going along, and you're merging in the entrance lane. 
from our eyes, if we ignore the speed, they, they can look very similar, right? The cars that are on the freeway are in the lane. Um, and if you're going at the same speed, they don't seem to be moving very fast, right? If you're going down a street with cars parked on the side, it, it could look similar if you're just looking at the images. So I think what they're doing here is they're figuring out ways to determine what's going on. Uh, is the car moving? Is it parked? Is it dangerous? Is it near the lane? There, there are other photos of people um, in streets, walking along streets, crossing streets, bicycles crossing in front or going along cars. Again, I, I haven't read this and I don't understand the math, but it looks to me like it's a way of determining um, the kind of things that we can see in two dimensions. But we just instinctively understand that a cyclist in a certain place is going in a certain direction Whereas a car can't do that, and it's trying to get the cars to understand all these things because, you know, seriously, think about all the decisions you make when you drive, all the minute decisions. Um, it's an awful lot of work for software to be able to do that. Right. This is one thing that software and the most advanced computers can't do yet. But the thing is here is that this is another road towards developing self-driving technology. So the question is here, why would Apple release this if this is something so great? Wouldn't they want to keep it to themselves as they build out whatever they're building out? Well, I think there are a couple possibilities. One, perhaps they've already applied for a patent for something under, a, un, under the name of a shell company. We know that Apple has done that. And so they do need to explain certain things uh, for the patent application. Another possibility is that they've entered into, uh, um, let's say, an informal partnership with other companies doing this research where they're going to share their research. And perhaps this is the way that they're doing it, that they've all agreed to share it in a way that's public. Now, this is published in an online journal that's freely accessible. This isn't one of these expensive um, you know, professional journals that you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars per year for. So Apple isn't Apple is making this uh, available to everyone, not that anyone like you or me could do anything with all this information. But it gives a clue as to what Apple might be doing here. Now, as you say, if you're filing for a patent, a certain amount of information will become public because obviously the patent is open for comment by other companies to say, well, this infringes on our patent. Or that it uses um, past art where people have to be able to prove that their patent is truly original. Exactly. So there are reasons why they might do that. Also, you wonder here, Apple sometimes opens up technologies as open source. Yeah, but not until they've been established. I don't even know if um, High Sierra has been open sourced yet. Um, it's generally months after an operating system is released that they do that. Whereas here, we're in technology that's not that's not commercialized yet. Well, that's the big question here. And that is, where does Apple take it? And this is where we can discuss possible marketing things. I don't see evidence Apple's going to make a car. Right now, they're using Lexus SUVs for the testing. They got permission from the California DMV, which is required if you're going to do testing on public roads. The question here is, does Apple provide a reference platform to automakers with specs of the brakes and other systems? And then this is something that has to be 
deeply integrated with the hardware. And of course, there are the sensors, the radars, the sonars, things like that. Is that one thing Apple would do? In that case, Apple would earn, say, a royalty from the sale of each vehicle. We'll go to other possibilities in a moment with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Makes the perfect stocking stuffer. Get your Bug Assault today. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. This is Dan Pillett. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpillett.com. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. 
Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. A commemorative President Trump dollar for only $5? Yes, the historic Trump dollar starts at only $5 at trumpdollar.us. Choose from our unique three-coin collection in gold, silver, and copper. The Vote Trump dollar, inaugural Trump dollar, and Make America Great Again Trump dollar. Available only at trumpdollar.us. Minted in the USA, our Trump dollars commemorate President Trump's patriotic stand. Order your Trump dollar collection today in time for Christmas delivery at trumpdollar.us. That's trumpdollar.us. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So that's one thing here, that Apple would build a reference platform for autonomous driving. The question I would have, however, and... This would be obvious. The automakers, you know, will incorporate things like CarPlay because they'll also usually offer Android Auto so they don't discriminate. But in a situation like this, the car makers are spending billions of dollars on self-driving technology. Why would they go to Apple or Google? What is Google doing with their technology? Going to sell ads to connect to your car? Well, regular listeners to this show will know that we've talked about the idea of Apple selling a car many times in the past couple of years, and I have been adamant that I disagree that they will ever sell a car. And I think the very first time we talked about it, I said my thought is that they're working on the software that they could sell to automakers. Now, it's kind of interesting because it's very rare that a big company, a company the size of Apple, would work on software that's not necessarily going to be a major element in a device. I mean, it would be the navigation system for a car, but a Mercedes is still, you know, 90% Mercedes and 10% software. This would suggest that Apple is going into this in order to sell, in in order to put their name on a product that will help sell a car. In other words, would would you buy, if you had a choice between a car running an Apple operating system and a Google operating system, which would you choose? It's odd because Apple won't really be selling these cars. I can't see them selling cars. CarPlay is not, they're not selling cars with CarPlay either. And CarPlay is just a tiny, tiny little part of a car. Um, But it suggests that Apple is going into what is probably going to be the biggest growth market um, in industry in in the coming decade, self-driving cars, autonomous cars, um, electric cars, and all that. And it shows an interesting direction that the company's taking to do something that's not retail, um, that they're not selling, that they might be able to advertise, um, but they won't be selling. They won't be controlling the messaging around the product. Okay. Now, the last time they worked with a company that included their technology in a product was like Motorola Roku phones, which were pretty bad. But this is a car. And if a car maker is going to go ahead and incorporate this technology, they will have to do a lot of concessions to meet Apple's design requirements. 
Well, it could be Apple that has to meet concessions, make concessions to meet Mercedes design requirements. But then um, the issue would be that they're making it for one car maker. And if you're designing a reference platform that any car maker can use or adapt, there has to be a fairly wide spectrum of specifications, don't you think? Well, to be fair, all I can imagine that's needed is that, uh, let's say that this this software, this operating system requires a certain number of sensors. That, that's the only requirement that I can see. And yeah, there would be um, specifications for the sensors, the, the light sensors, the infrared sensors and, and all that. But I can't see it being that complicated for any car maker to meet the specs that would be needed for the operating system or for Apple's operating system to be usable in any car. Every car has a windshield and a steering wheel and two headlights and four tires and an engine. Um, they're, they're all shaped more or less the same. You can put the sensors in the front and the back and the side and the top. It's not that hard. Um, obviously, Apple is taking that into consideration that the width of the car doesn't matter, um, that the length of the car doesn't matter. So. I don't see that as being extremely complicated. A, a car is a relatively fixed shape object. A van is another similar shape. Uh, a truck is another similar shape. That's probably not a big problem for them. So it could be specs for sensors. It could be specs for other characteristics that they have to meet. Well, the but the rest would be the sensors, operating system. The sensors are the most important thing here because it, it's not... This is all about how the car detects what's in front of it, what's around it, what's behind it, in order to know what to do. So it's it's 99% sensors. There's a processor, there's, there's going to be a display, a heads-up display or something like that. But it's the sensors that make the car autonomous. Okay, so does Apple provide the sensors or a list of approved sensors for the car makers I, I to use? I would assume, yeah. I, I would assume that there are going to be specifications that in order to do what this paper is describing, that a certain sensor has to be able to do certain things at certain speeds and resolution, etc. A fixed battery or a fixed... Obviously, Apple uses, although not a lot, they use certain parts from other companies in their gear, which basically is designed to work on a number of different products, such as, say, the, the baseband hardware the modem well the ram the usb jacks you know all of the basics everything that's not apple specific processors yeah so therefore it wouldn't be an issue here probably to have a set of specs that different suppliers to the automakers can follow to build apple's self-driving compliance system yeah i i don't know a lot about this but that doesn't sound complicated um, I have done some, back when I was a translator, I have done some work with um, robotics and factories and things, um, and, and they all seem to use, I wouldn't say off-the-shelf parts, but parts that are readily available and that aren't overly expensive in terms of everything that they use to, to control, the, the, to navigate um, the sensors, the, the switches, all those things. They're not, they're not things that have to be specially made for each particular manufacturer that would that would make it cost prohibitive right so the more off-the-shelf components they could use the better and a lot of this may not be anything that requires much more than what car makers are already providing with their own capabilities of braking and other systems it's just a matter of 
making sure it meets a certain minimum spec. What they're using as sensors for your adaptive cruise control, maybe something modified from that with the right software, can do the job. I'm I'm guessing they need more than that because all of this is 3D. So that means they have to have at least two cameras to be able to interpolate um, three dimensions. So to say say a camera on the the front left and the front right, say a camera on the front left and the front right, and since they're on a slightly different angle, they would be able to figure out distances a little better than a single camera. There's probably um, sonar and infrared and all sorts of other sensors, but the sensors themselves really aren't that complicated. These are these are existing. This is existing hardware that's used for a number of things. You know, I had a car a few years ago that had that sensor that when you backed up and you got close to the wall or whatever, the beep would be faster and faster. That's probably just a sonar sensor that can tell the distance. Um, I, I've got a rear camera on my car. Um, many cars have front cameras now for for a number of reasons. And as you said the car that can slow down when the car in front of it gets too close. That's a simple sensor. Um, But what's important here is the software that, uh, again, according to what the illustrations in this paper show, the software is is identifying all the different objects and how they move in space and time. And uh, I I bet the sensors are actually the simplest thing involved here. It's the software and, and the actual recognition that's extremely complex. Well, we'll get into more of that in a moment, but we wanted to get the sense of it here of what's required but from what we're talking about here most of what apple is doing is the software plus a level of maybe the cameras things like that but the basic sensors may be very much similar to what's available now it's just basically interpreting the data and having more sensors to get a wider range of data such as dual cameras that sort of thing to get the 3d image so apple would then offer this technology, say, on a royalty basis to car makers. Is that what would be a possible business plan? That, that's what I would understand. And, and it could be a partnership that gives more or less visibility to Apple. Um, maybe they'll co-brand a car with Mercedes. And I'm just picking Mercedes out, out of thin air. It could be any brand. Maybe it'll be a Mercedes car with Apple, whatever, iDrive or whatever they're going to call it. Um, they have a lot of options. I, I would think that Apple is unlikely to merely partner with a, a high-end car brand because they won't make that much money um, from a car company that doesn't sell a lot of cars. They need to partner with GM or Ford or, or several brands like that. Now, because- remember also, some brands have luxury nameplates so they can offer it in the affordable cars like GM, Chevy. A little bit more expensive Buick or Cadillac or Volkswagen well, without Toyota's a good example because they have the Lexus and then they have the regular Toyotas. Well, that's the same thing as Volkswagen and Audi. Right. The same thing. Right. Volkswagen, Audi. So this is not unusual to have or GM Cadillac and Chevrolet and Buick or Ford with Lincoln. We've got more to come. Self-driving from Apple. What's going to come from it with Gene and Kirk? You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. 
A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Welcome back to Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. So, if you deal with a manufacturer that makes both normal price cars, and even Hyundai has a line called Genesis, that's like the Lexus equivalent with Hyundai. So you have the affordable Hyundais, the Sonata, the Elantra, the Volkswagen Jetta, Passat, and then you've got the Audi A4 and the Audi A6. And I've seen like side by side, you take a current model Volkswagen Jetta and you think you're looking at an Audi A4. There are a lot of similarities, although there are differences like $20,000. That's a difference. So would Apple therefore want to, if they can, partner with a company that offers products in all price ranges. Then again, what will this technology cost the end user if it's an option? Like I said, Cadillac's smart cruise control is $5,000. And they're not going to offer that on a Chevrolet, whereas they could if they wanted, because people who buy a Chevrolet will not necessarily spend an extra $5,000 for that option unless they buy a Corvette or something. Yeah, I can't see this being that expensive. I don't know why Mercedes is charging that much, maybe just because That's they can. That's Cadillac, sir, Cadillac. Cadillac. I don't know why they're charging so much, maybe because they can. It would be obvious that this would first roll out to the, the sort of luxury brands in larger companies. So the Lexus before it gets to the other Toyotas or the Cadillac before it gets to whatever other GM cars there are. I, I can't see this costing a lot of money. You know, the technology itself is software, and that's that's research and development, but it's not that expensive. Um, the hardware, again, it's probably relatively simple. Um, 
you know, I was looking during the break, I was looking on um, Wikipedia, and it talks about um, the technology um, uses Bayesian simultaneous location and mapping algorithms, which fuse data from multiple sensors and an offline map into current location estimates and map updates. So you're, you're using data, you're using sensors, all of these things are relatively inexpensive. Uh, I can't see the cost of the software being sold at thousands of dollars per unit because the research is going to be amortized relatively quickly. And as you said, you know, the first few years, it will be a luxury, but it won't take long before it rolls down into normal cars. There are some things to remember that autonomous cars could end up being less expensive overall, over time, um, because of the reduced cost of insurance. You know, one of the biggest problems with car costs, the cost of maintaining and running a car, is the amount of insurance you pay. And autonomous cars should be safer because I don't know what percentage of accidents are due to human error, but it's, you know, by far most of them. And if everyone is driving an autonomous car and that car, each car is smart enough to stop when there's another car in front of it, or it's not going to drive too fast, or it doesn't matter if you've had anything to drink, there's going to be a lot of money saved in terms of what we pay for insurance, but also the amount of money that'll be saved just from society, from, you know, fewer deaths, fewer people injured and all. Well, we're talking there maybe $100 a month or $200 a month, depending on your rating and where you live. But that's still a significant savings. So that is certainly one thing. Also, the car could be driven more efficiently by machine, which means better fuel economy and therefore lower cost of fuel. Because it can do things that you can't do with more precision. Yeah, it knows the sweet spot. It knows, well, you you have mostly automatic transmissions over there. We have two cars, one's an automatic, one's a manual. And on my Toyota iGo, which is a manual, there's a little light on the steering wheel that tells me when to shift up and to shift down. And I don't always shift when it tells me because it doesn't feel like I should be shifting. But the car is going to know a lot better and maybe it'll get, you know, 10% better um, fuel efficiency if it shifts at the right time instead of me shifting too late or too soon. Well, also what they can do in the interim is roll out more computer technology for gas pedals and brakes and stuff, such as they have now, if you get too close to an object, various cars, very affordable cars will begin to brake. In terms of acceleration, you can have smart acceleration too. So you can punch Um, a button or something and it's going to do things like the smart acceleration means that you're not blowing lots of fuel just getting up to speed. It will figure it out for you. And with stop and go driving, that can have a big impact. That would be really useful. You know, think of it as a sort of cruise control for being in the city, that the car knows when to start and stop. And of course, your foot's on the brake pedal just in case you need to brake if the car's not braking. But the car would know when to speed up and to slow down. It would know what the traffic is maybe half a mile ahead of you. It would know what's behind you. It would be a lot more efficient um, for, for a number of things like that. Now, bear in mind also that some vehicles already have a lot of this technology. Tesla pretty much has all that stuff in terms of sensors already built into its cars. It's a matter of developing software. But what they do, however, is they'll sell you the software. So you want to enhance your current Tesla with something, well, it's $5,000 more. And it's not a hardware change. It's a software change. Yeah, they, they offer software upgrades as an option. Um, kind of like Windows Home and Windows, you know, whatever. Name it's also called gouging. 
I see. Well, it could be called gouging as well, but Tesla's a, a pretty strange business model. My car had a number of options like that. Um, I, I can't, I'm just looking at it now and I can't really find it, but it had a number of safety options. And these were the sorts of thing that would automatically start braking if they detected something too close. And obviously it depends on the speed. Um, th there were several uh, options that were available. I didn't buy them. They didn't seem essential and they were relatively expensive, but it won't be long before these are standard. You, you remember, you know, seatbelts used to be an option. Airbags used to be an option. Exactly. And again, more and more affordable vehicles are offering this stuff. Yeah. So I was looking here like the VW Jetta. All the cars offer rear view camera system. The mid to higher price versions offer a blind spot monitor where it flashes on the side view mirrors when objects come to the side of you. So that's one thing right there. That's something that obviously is a safety, important safety feature. So that's a lot of it right there. And, you know, in addition to that, there's an intelligent crash response system, which controls the airbag deployment, cutting off the fuel pump, unlocking the doors, things like that. Post-collision brake systems. You know, all this stuff designed to make the car run safer without spending a lot extra. Yeah, I'm just looking up. So mine... I could have gotten a forward collision warning thing right. that detects when cars are coming, a lane departure alert. Um, it monitors lane markings on the road and helps prevent accidents. Um, there are a number of things that I could have gotten. It's actually not that expensive. It's 400 pounds. And, you know, this is the first time I leased a car, so I didn't really realize that if I was adding something that was 400 pounds, it cost me a pound a month, basically, because... Um, you know, you're doing it over four years and you're not paying, the lease isn't covering the full value, et cetera. Um, so we didn't get anything like that, but this is certainly something I would want to consider when we next update the car. Yeah, it's getting cheaper and cheaper. And as I said, it's filtering down to the cheapest models. So you don't have to buy a Volkswagen Jetta is about the cheapest Volkswagen there is in America. So we're talking about something that costs less than $20,000. You get a discount, it's maybe $16,000. And it's already starting to filter down the safety features to the lower price models. You don't have to buy something fully loaded. And the other companies are doing the same thing. It's not just pushing one brand. They're all doing this. And this is, as you say, the safety features, the extra features start on the high price models. And very quickly, they filter down to a point where they hardly add anything to the cost of the car. It's just software. It's a few more sensors, things that don't cost the car maker an awful lot. In the end of the day, though, it means that someday I'll be able to buy a car that I can afford and I may reach a point where I can't drive anymore. It will take me where I want to go. Take me here, Siri. Take me there, Siri. Beam me up, Siri. Well, actually, that's not the way it would be. It would be, Siri, I beam know. me up. It, okay. Kirk never said, beam me up, Scotty. More to come. No, but More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah. 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. For P150P150GA, P150NY, P150OK, P150TN, C250A, C250E, C250Q. Not available in all states. If New York or Colorado, call for a similar offer. What's the scariest thing about going to the dentist? Opening your mouth or opening your wallet? Because just a simple cleaning can cost $100, and things like root canals can cost you hundreds more. If you don't have dental insurance to help, call Physicians Mutual Insurance Company. 1-800-972-6540. This isn't a discount plan or preventive-only coverage. This is real dental insurance that helps pay for checkups right away so you can call today and get your teeth cleaned tomorrow plus it helps cover the more expensive procedures you might need down the road fillings crowns bridges even costly dentures there's no deductible and no annual maximum your acceptance is guaranteed for one of these insurance policies even if you're retired there are no networks so you can choose any dentist you'd like call now for a free information kit with all the details 1-800-972-6540 that's 1-800-972-6540 Hello, Mr. Anderson. The NSA has noticed how much time you spend on conservative news sites. We have no choice but to consider you a domestic terrorist. Tired of your internet activity being monitored by Big Brother? Get VirtualShield.com, the world's easiest to use virtual private network. Browse the web anonymously, leaving pesky advertisers and spies in the dust. Get started today at VirtualShield.com. Take advantage of our free 30-day trial. VirtualShield.com. You have the right to remain private. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2979-855-700-2979-855-700-2979. That's 855-700-2979. Want revenge on the common housefly? 
Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Makes the perfect stocking stuffer. Get your Bug Assault today. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So let's just walk away from self-driving cars at this point. Except to ask you one question. You're somewhat younger than I am. Would you, if you reached the point where you really couldn't drive safely for whatever reason, you're not a night driver right now. And I'm not a night driver. I can't, driver. I can't drive at night because of my vision. I would welcome a self-driving car right now to be able to go out. I mean, we're recording this. It's 4.30. It's nearly dark here. Um, I can't go out now if I needed to go to a supermarket. I can't because uh, I get blinded by headlights. Um, so I simply can't drive at night. So for me, a self-driving car would be wonderful. Now, I'm at a point here where I can do that. But something that involves lots of streets with dim signs and stuff like that, I'm not going to do it. It's just not it for me. I've never been that much of a night driver. I'm not as good at it now. There's a point where I just give up driving altogether. But as you say, there are a lot of situations where a lot of people would be better off with self-driving as much as they like to drive. But Kirk doesn't drive for fun, right? You drive to get from here to there. Yeah, and, and I don't drive that much. Unfortunately, my partner likes to drive, so whenever we're going anyplace, she does the driving when we're taking trips. Um, I'll drive to do errands, and that's it. Moving on, we have here the story. I don't know if it applies in Europe, probably does. iPhone 10. they seem to be ramping up production faster than people expected. The delay now is one to two weeks, which means there's a fair chance... If you shop around, particularly in an area where there are, are lots of Apple stores, like where I am in the Phoenix area, I could probably go out right now if I wanted and have a good chance, if I check around first, of getting an iPhone 10. Well, it's either that the production has been ramped up or that the demand isn't as big as they expected. Remember, there was a huge pent-up demand uh, when it was launched because... Uh, it's the real fanboys and girls that bought this um, right off the bat. But maybe there aren't that many people interested um, in spending $1,000 or more for a phone. Um, it, it, we never know. We never know. Apple said it was the biggest launch ever, but I don't believe that it was the biggest launch ever. You go back to like the iPhone 6, that was by far the biggest launch ever. I think that was the first time that they launched or was it the seven, the first time they launched in China at the same time as other countries? So if Apple's not going to give figures, and we won't know figures until we get to the next announcement of quarterly revenue. And even then, they I, I don't think they ever split out figures for different models. So we won't know how many people bought the iPhone X and how many people bought the iPhone 8. Um, well, some individual so- sites will show which models are selling, like maybe Amazon or, for example, one of the wireless carriers will see which products have the most demand. So that's another way. Just bear in mind, though, that the difference in price between the iPhone 10 and, say, an iPhone 8 Plus 
may seem like a lot, but if you use like AT&T's next plan, yes. take an iPhone 8 Plus, 64 gigabytes, an iPhone 10, 64 gigabytes, the monthly increase is $8 a month, okay? $8 a month. I think a lot of people can figure out that they're spending already $33, $34 for like an AT&T annual upgrade plan, paying $41 for the iPhone 10. Not such a huge jump, is it? It's not. Um, we don't have that sort of option here. They're only sold together with phone contracts, so they cost about twice as much here. It's not that much when you look at it, but again, what percentage of people buy their phones on that sort of a plan? You need to have a good credit rating to do that. Um, you need to have enough money to be able to buy an iPhone in any case, but you need a good credit rating for that sort of plan. So I don't know. I don't well, know. Yeah, but if you already have an existing AT&T contract, a postpaid contract, they assume you already have good credit. Well, you know, someone I know told me that there was a new credit check this year when they were up grading through the Apple upgrade program and that there was a bit of a problem because of the um, Equifax hack. Right, but that's different because that's not the carrier where you have an existing relationship. They're using a third-party bank to finance it. So each transaction is separate. It's not like AT&T or T-Mobile or Verizon or whatever, and we call Sprint whatever. <laughs> They're for past reasons I don't wish to explain right now. But the key here is you already have that relationship. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. You still have to get a credit check, and it's it's a new credit contract. Um, so it, it, all I'm saying is that not everyone can buy a phone like that. Um, because when you're paying monthly for the phone and the phone contract, that's not the same as when you're buying the phone on credit. It's a totally different thing. Now, understand here, there's no contracts here anymore like that. They have these programs that took over where you go to one of the wireless carriers and you buy a service plan, which is phone calls, data. You buy the package you want, and then you add a device, and that device is a separate purchase. You can possibly bring your own device if it's unlocked, and it fits in with their network. Otherwise, you buy through one of their plans. But if in the past you have an existing relationship where you already have, like an AT&T Next plan for the previous phone, you don't have to go through another check. You already have that relationship. It's just renewing the loan. So as far as I know, it doesn't because I've done that in the past. And okay. they didn't make a new credit check. If you added a phone to a line that didn't have such a plan... That might be a different thing. I don't know. Okay. But the point is here, if you qualify... They, they don't do the same kind of sale here. I um, understand. The, the only way the phone companies sell is the phone... You could buy the phone outright from a phone company as opposed to Apple. Or you get the phone with a contract. You don't. They're not separate. Um, and there's even been a bit of a scandal here because um, it turned out that phone companies, after you've paid your two years, you've paid off your device over two years, they keep charging the same price for the contract, which includes the access... Um, element and the device element and they haven't been lowering the price and yeah, but they did that in the u.s for the longest time where you would get a new device you put some money down like it would be maybe ten dollars 25 100 200 you put something down you agree to keep your plan for two years at the end of two years your phone is paid off but they don't reduce your price but when t-mobile came out with this uncarrier plan 
they divorced the service plan from the device. I mean, there's still requirements with that device, but they separated it. So now you are buying or leasing the phone separately. Regardless, if you have the choice, which is where we're talking about demand for the iPhone 10, if you're already paying one figure for an iPhone 7, say, you want to upgrade to an iPhone 10 or an 8, an 8 will cost, you know, similar to the 7. The 8 Plus will cost maybe a few dollars more. The 10 will cost a few dollars more than that. But if you're already paying a monthly payment on it, having to pay a little bit more is no big deal. If you buy a phone with your credit card, where part of your monthly payment is going to pay for that phone, you can take that phone because you bought it unlocked, sell it, and get enough money to pay off part of your loan. Especially on an iPhone where they have good value on a resale. You go to one of these places that gives you a certain amount of money for a phone in good condition. We've got more to come. Kirk McElhern, Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Are you living your passion? Are you pumped to go to work because you get to talk about or work with or do the things that interest you the most? Is working, playing, and relaxing one and the same? As long as you're working for someone else, you'll never be living entirely true to yourself and your passion. I'm Pharmacist Keith. Let me show you how you can work around your current schedule, create the extra income so you can live your passion. Visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com. Radio.recordedvideo.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-774-3149 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-774-3149. Again, that's 800-774-3149. Hey folks, Tom D. for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. 
You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual, and this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. Google has all but banned the movie series, What Would Muhammad Do? It's a brilliant film on the true history and goals of Islam. This is the film Trump's enemies and holdouts from the Obama administration are terrified you will see. Pro-Islamic groups working with Google and other multi-billion dollar corporations have vowed to suppress the distribution of What Would Muhammad Do? When you see it, you'll understand why. Get your copy while you still can. Order the four DVD collection today for $39.95 plus shipping and handling. Or go online and download the entire movie series for just $19.95. But wait, for those who order in the next 30 minutes, we'll throw in a nine-part series on the Muslim Brotherhood absolutely free. Go to www.mdfilm.com or call 304-289-3700 now. That's www.mdfilm.com or call 304-289-3700 now. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Of course, Kirk, if we're talking about the iPhone 10, whether sales are meeting Apple's expectations and predictions, we're talking through our hats. We don't know. There have been no rumors about that. Only that's easier to get one. Nothing that Apple's cutting back production or anything else. We don't know. So right now, I guess we'll have some information. They'll have be doing estimates in January as to what's going on. And then it'll be the, the end of January, early February that Apple comes out with the announcements. So anyway, if you want to get an iPhone 10, you get it easier. Now, I saw this piece, Kirk, and I don't know whether you saw it or not, but we've talked about it in general. And that is we all, of course, know Jason Snell, who used to be in charge over at Macworld, and now he has a site called Six Colors, and he still writes for Macworld. And he has a piece here, Kirk, why, why Apple's next laptop should run iOS. He's not talking here about using ARM processors on MacBooks, MacBook Pros. He's talking about what may be an iPad Pro, but making it into a true notebook. And I think he's looking at something like the Microsoft Surface, as an example, coming out with a true laptop that just happens to run iOS and is, in terms of hardware, powered by the same processor and memory and everything as an iPad. What do you think? I'm not a big fan of this idea. Um, Apple has famously said that they would never make a computer with a touchscreen. But of course, we know that Apple can change their mind at any time. And Well, they already are. It's called an iPad. A computer with a touchscreen and a keyboard where the touchscreen is essential to using it and the keyboard. A a laptop with a touchscreen, a MacBook with a touchscreen. Right, Um, except uh, if you hook up one of these keyboard cases. 
I understand that. I'm saying the, the the iPad is designed to be used when you're holding it in two hands. It's not designed primarily to be used with a keyboard. Hence, it's a touch device. Um, a laptop, say a MacBook Pro, is designed to be used with a keyboard. Adding the touch option to a MacBook Pro is it's simply wrong. Um, it's not a question even of the operating system. It's a physical question. You, you should sit with a computer and um, every minute raise your hand and touch the display and see how many hours you go before your shoulder starts hurting. You know, it's bad enough we get repetitive stress injuries from typing, but the repetitive stress injury, injuries you would get from tapping a display like that would be extremely painful. Um, I see absolutely no use to doing that. Now, the only possibility would be, Jason mentions um, some of these tablets that sort of fold around, right? So you can hinge the keyboard part to the back. But the problem with that is that the keyboard is still sticking out. Um, if it's the Microsoft Surface Book where the keyboard can be detached, that's interesting. But how is that different then from an iPad with an external keyboard? Uh, I'm not seeing... I'm not seeing this as being a, a useful hybrid since you can already have an iPad with a keyboard and there's not that much of a difference that they could make a nicer keyboard that blends better with the iPad. But I can't see that much of a difference in, in a product like that. Well, of course, it's something also to start a discussion. I think more than a solid recommendation for a product. Let's look at things that Apple could do to provide more traditional notebook computer features on iPad. And they're doing some of that now because you've got the dock and you've got more multitasking, some things that appear to be adapted for Mac OS as opposed to what used to be happening where iOS features would come to Mac OS. But is he also talking about a potential convergence device? That's what I think he's saying in the article, yeah, because he's been saying a lot... Um, on Twitter and in articles on his own website, that his main computer is now an iPad Pro. And that's very interesting. And there are several tech writers who can do this, and they keep wanting to tell everyone how great it is that they can do all their work with an iPad. Um, I, I'm not sure we need a device that is a jack-of-all-trades and that has the weaknesses of both a laptop and a tablet rather than just the strengths of both the laptop and a tablet. I think each device on its own um, is a different device. Again, if you can pull the two apart, let's say it runs Mac OS when you've got the keyboard part of your MacBook connected to it, and when you pull it apart, then it turns into iOS. Isn't that be something kind of what Microsoft had tried to do with those two-in-one notebooks, is provide a version of Windows more suited to touchscreens when you use it that way as opposed to as a regular notebook. Yeah, but the problem is that iOS is so different. You know, Mac OS is a file-based operating system. And while you can get by without ever looking at files, because you can open files from within applications, um, it's still a file-based operating system. And switching all of a sudden to iOS, which you would have to access the file system to be able to get your files um, when you need them. And I'm not sure that that would be um, that doesn't seem like a very Apple thing to do, that, that you'd be throwing people from one way of thinking to another with the same device. But you do already have a Files app for iOS. It's very limited. It, it's not the entire file system. It's only um, certain things that are in iCloud Drive. And, you know, I'm just looking at the Finder on my Mac, and I've got all sorts of folders and files and folders for different projects and clients and things like that. 
um, you can't easily put all these folders into iCloud Drive. Then it's also the question of having the iCloud storage and syncing files a lot. The current files app, it can use some files that you've created on the device, but in general, it's for storing files on iCloud. And right, but that could be modified, that could be updated. They can add features, they could make it more expansive because with iOS, you're not going to get involved in the weeds of the operating system as you do with a Mac. <clears throat> you will only be concerned about your files and folders, your projects, the things you're working on. So they can still provide a more limited file browser. Yes, and that would be you... the convergence point because, as I said, I suspect it's better for a lot of people who use Macs not to have to worry about that stuff because they only care really about the files and the folders with the work, the projects they're doing. All this other stuff is not really so much of an issue to them, especially if they only use a small number of apps. Yeah, but I think the real problem is that if you disconnect, let's say you disconnect the keyboard side of the laptop and you've only got the tablet, um, all of a sudden you're looking at things in a different way. The whole touch interface is, is radically different. And there may be things that you're expecting to find in a certain place that you can't access the same way. Um, don't forget, every app would need to be updated. Apps that are designed for iOS are designed for a touch screen. Apps that are designed for a computer are designed to be used with, with a mouse and a keyboard. Um, the, the amount of changes developers would have to make w would mean that it, this would be relatively prohibitive for many apps. I, I'm just thinking, I don't know, um, I, I was using a photo editing app earlier, Affinity Photo, and they have an iPad version. And the difference in the interface on the iPad and the Mac version is quite striking. You know, the difference, particularly the, the menus that you have on the Mac and, and the fact that you can click precisely with a cursor. They have both versions, so they could combine it, but any app that only has an iOS version and then has to create a Mac interface and vice versa, has a Mac version, has to create an iOS version, that just seems to me that's too big a hurdle to expect. You can only use certain apps that some of your apps on iOS will work and some will work on the Mac part, and if you take off the keyboard and you're in iOS, half your apps don't work, that's a, that's, that's, that's a failure. I don't yeah, think someone like Jason Snell is looking that way. He's looking at something that would be iOS-based but move more towards the Mac in terms of having the integrated keyboard and everything, but it would never be a 100% device. It'd be something removed from that. A lot of that would not be available there. It would still be primarily iOS with maybe the integration, of course, of the keyboard and possibly a trackpad and then... And that can be abstracted in developer tools to make it yeah, easy for developers. That. Sure, we've we already, already have that, that kind. We already have a lot of things like that. So it's moving towards the Mac direction, but it also would require the Mac user to move to the iOS direction. As I said, a convergence device, something in the middle with elements of both. More to come with Gene Steinberg, Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night High Live. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. 
Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA Pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. This just in, before your doctor gives you another antibiotic prescription that you don't want, get this free report, The Miracle of Garlic, your first home medicine. This free report is filled with easy kitchen remedies for common colds, flus, sore throats, ear infections, and more. Plus, learn to boost your immunity before you get sick. Go now to GCNWellness.com. Just like it sounds, GCNWellness.com to get your free report, The Miracle of Garlic. Click GCNWellness.com. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Calbend Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Katie Armor has been on a mission to manufacture the most comfortable body armor on the market, and we've succeeded. With the release of our CQB technology, we now offer the most comfortable concealable rifle threat body armor available. Things may look good now, but what if you need added protection? Get your very own concealable rifle threat armor today at kdarmor.com. And for a limited time, get all plates at wholesale pricing only at catiarmor.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
So we're just talking here about something that may make no difference, whatever. But the question is, what is Apple's game plan for the future of the iPad? Obviously, the iPad sales are up for two quarters, which is not bad. The average sale price is up because people are focusing more on these new pro devices. The question here is, they've already added kind of a dock and a limited file system availability of, of your files with iCloud Drive and Dropbox, etc. They're adding a few things. Are they just throwing us bones or will they look to more things you can do in the Mac? Bring them to iOS in versions more suited to that platform to bring more of the business or productivity capabilities to the iPad, thus create the climate for the device that Jason's talking about. Yeah, I don't see it. There, There is bound to be some conversion, but it's not the enterprise that wants a device that can go both ways. They, the enterprise clients, they either want standardization, Google Docs, Microsoft Office 365, or they want vertical applications designed for their business. Um, if it's something designed for their business, they want the device that's going to be the most economical for them, whether it's a touchscreen or whether it's a laptop. They don't want something that goes either touchscreen or laptop because that's just not the way they develop applications for that sort of market. The iPad is great for a lot of people who don't have computers anymore. And I know people who don't use computers and they can do everything on an iPad. Yes, as I said earlier, there are plenty of people who can do all their work on an iPad and they go out of their way to show how they can run scripts and automate and everything. And it's way too complicated for average people. This is not a market that is necessarily going to converge. There are too many things that you do on the Mac that you couldn't do on an iPad for reasons of you know, processor, simply. There are too many things that you do on an iPad that you couldn't do on a Mac just because of the simplicity of using a touchscreen. I'm going to just say that I don't agree, that I don't think this is this makes a lot of sense. And again, raise your arm once every minute for eight hours to touch a screen, and you'll agree with me that you don't ever want to use a touchscreen computer. Well, you know what? I realize that. I have tried to use my wife's iPad with one of those keyboards, Remember, those keyboards don't have like little trackpads below them. Yeah. So therefore, you still have to type. You still have to touch. And you still have to touch. And as you say, do that for eight hours and you'll see what I mean. Now, you can switch apps by pressing Command-Tab the same way you do on a Mac if you have an external keyboard. So that saves you from touching certain things. But there's a lot you can't do. You can't select text without touching. And selecting text, frankly, on iOS is, is a disaster. It's really hard to select anything more than a word precisely. The number of times when I go to select text to copy something, and I have to do it five times because those little handles don't go to the right place, and then I try to extend it, and then I tap next to the thing, and I lose the selection. Until you can select text on an iPad, either from a trackpad or a mouse or something like that, it's just not ready for prime time for that sort of thing. That's why I wonder why they don't have keyboards and the capability in iOS to allow for those input devices. I mean, if you're using a keyboard, why can't you have a touchpad? Well, it would make the keyboard bigger, obviously. And I don't know why they haven't focused on this because, you know, I often need to select text when I'm using my iPad or my iPhone. And it's pretty much a disaster. Uh, And it's been a disaster since the beginning wasn't it the very first version of iOS? You couldn't even copy and paste. You couldn't even select text to do anything. Basically, if I need to do any serious selecting of text, I have to zoom in as much as possible so I have the biggest target to be able to grab those little handles because it's just, it's incredibly imprecise. 
trying to do any work where you're manipulating text on, on an iOS device is really, really difficult. Now, the, what most people end up doing is just, I would think, I'm guessing here, is that they just tap someplace to put the cursor and then just delete and then they retype someplace else. And, and that's not too hard. But trying to select text to copy and paste and cut and all that is, is just painful. No, I agree with you there. It's gotten better, but Apple has never better. gotten that quite the same. It's not gotten that much better. You know, a little it's better. It's a little easier. It's like 10% easier. I, I don't know. I, I avoid it as much as possible. If I ever need to really do something where I have to select or manipulate a lot of text, I, and I'm on my iPad, I switch to a computer. Obviously, if I'm not home, I can't do that. But when I am home, say I'm up reading in bed and I want to take some notes of something I've been reading, I'll come down to my Mac um, and do it and then go back upstairs because it's just too painful. Well, I agree with you there. It doesn't work for me, but certainly Apple knows this. Well, I think they just assume that not that many people select text. I don't know how many people actually manipulate text. Um, for me, again, it's, it's copying a sentence, copying a paragraph, you know, it's small bits of text. I would never try to actually edit an article or something. Or if I did, I would be using, well, I'd use IA Writer, which has um, keyboard buttons that you can use to move around by word, you know, like arrow keys. But you can also jump by word. And it makes it a lot easier. Um, but basic text selection is just horrible. And I don't know what Apple expects to do about that. don't know. I suppose Jason Snell gave us that as... A thought piece. Not serious. I don't know. A couple of quick questions before we let you go. Delay with the HomePod. Anything important yeah, that, there? That's interesting. I don't use, I was chatting with one of my friends today who was going to buy a Harman Kardon speaker with Cortana built in, which is Microsoft's uh, AI, whatever thing. And I said to him, I just don't know what I would ask one of those speakers to do. What's the weather? What time is it? Play some music. I don't want to play the music out of a cheap speaker. If I want to listen to music, I'll listen on something where I can listen and it sounds good. I think the problem is that Apple had to catch up to this market, that it's a market that has a certain amount of popularity, though we have no idea how much. We don't know how many um, Echoes Amazon sold, um, just like we don't know how many Kindles they've sold in 10 years. I think they realized that they were coming out with something perhaps that was overpriced Compared to the existing market, you know, $350, yes, it'll probably sound better than the Amazon Echo, but do most people care? I don't think so. And, and if it can only just do Siri and play Apple Music, that's a bit limited. I, I don't see, the, as much as I would like a, a speaker to listen to music that, that would easily play Apple Music, I can get a Bluetooth speaker for $30 and use Siri and stream from my phone Obviously, this is going to sound better, so I go up to 150 and I can get a Bluetooth speaker or even an AirPlay speaker that sounds as good as what the HomePod would sound. I, I don't see the interest in paying that premium for the HomePod. Well, of all the things that Apple is doing to get things into production, maybe they just felt the resources for the HomePod could be used for other things. Final question. Will the iMac Pro ship in December as Apple originally yeah. promised? Do, do you remember when the last Mac Pro um, came out? And it was sometime maybe either in January or the spring that Tim Cook said it would ship before the end of the year. And I think it was on the 29th of December that they shipped a few units. And then it was like for two months you couldn't get one. Um, it's going to be shipped December 32nd, I promise you. Kirk McElhern, please tell our listeners where we can find more of your stuff. 
You can head over to my blog. It's kirkville.com, www.kirkville.com, and you can find me writing about iTunes and Photos and Macs and iOS and what's more. And I didn't even get into his piece about audio cables. Maybe next time. You can find us on Twitter if you look for Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. You can also find Gene Steinberg on Facebook, the guy with the red plaid shirt. People say I should upgrade that photo, but, you know, I don't cast a reflection anymore at my age, so it's better to leave things be. We also have another show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called the Paracast. And this week we'll be taking another new look at cutting-edge research into the possibility of unidentified flying objects. Are they spaceships? What are they? Hmm. Go to Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com for more goodies about that. Also, we invite you to check out Tech Night Out Plus. We offer a special version of this show free of network ads, better quality audio, for a low subscription price starting at just $1.49 a week. Can you beat that? No, you can't. Can't even buy a cup of coffee at a convenience store for $1.49 a week anymore. Go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com for more info. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.